back to Weighing In, presented by Track Wrestling. This is episode number 95. I'm your host, Alex Steen. With me, as always, David Miracatani. How are things? Everything's great, man. Getting ready to take off tomorrow for Atlantic City to go coach in the uh, Professional Fighters League. So pretty excited about that. And then running a big charity event next weekend. So things are hopping over here. And you're always busy. I'm not married and I don't have kids, man. I can't let the grass grow. That's how that works. <laughs> Fair enough. Seems like a good lifestyle to leave if you can. Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff though. Uh, the fighting is going to be really good, and then we're raising money. We'll talk probably talk about this at the end, but we're raising money for veterans with severe wounds and amputations, and and you know that we've been friends for a long time. That's a cause that's near and dear to my heart. So you know, really, really proud to be a part of that. Yeah, you've always got something going to that, so that's always a good thing to have. Um, obviously, being a former military man myself, I, I appreciate all the things you guys do for that cause um, and hope you keep keep getting good interest. It looks like you're getting a lot of support for this one, so I'm glad to see that. Yeah, for sure. And what, what you guys do, I always tell people, without you guys doing what you do, what we do, you know, just being able to get on the radio and do what we love to do wouldn't even be possible. But pretty awesome so um i don't think we say it enough but thank you for your service as well absolutely you can't say that enough to the people around the world doing that if anybody's listening more power to you and reach out we'd love to give you a shout out Um, yeah for sure looks like this week we got an interesting announcement from uww they came out a little while ago and said uh get you know kind of rolled out some rule changes, nothing really very interesting, a lot of stuff about host countries and things of that nature, a couple little minor rule adjustments for scoring. And then this week they came out with a standardized competition schedule, which I think a lot of us had thought was a good idea for a long time. Um, You know, you could never really tell when the age group world championships were going to be, stuff was always moving around. And this really sets it out from all the continental championships at each level to the world championships at each level and the world cups. They're all scheduled within a two week frame each year. They should be within the same two week frame. And that's, that's a pretty cool idea. What did you think about it, David? I think, you know, wrestling does a bad job of sort of promoting our sport. Right. And so when you know, things are coming and, you can schedule them. I think it's also good for people to be able to plan their calendars. So that part's really good. I mean, I've always looked at wrestling from the coach's point of view. And guys like you and Andy Hamilton have kind of taught me to look at it more from a, a storyline point of view and things like that. And you know, from that perspective, I think it's good. I think it's a little odd that the World Cup is, you know, at the end of the season. It almost feels like the opposite of NASCAR, you know, where they start out with that, I don't know how the pace is going to be then, especially for, I guess, I don't know, maybe it'll be okay, you know, because we don't have that many guys that are college numbers on the team. But overall, it'll be interesting to see if a place like Iowa could hold it during during the calendar year, during the school year. Uh, I guess they do it in the spring, but it's, it's a little different than in the fall when football and some of those other things are on campus. So that might, that might you know, limit the United States a little bit. But overall, continuity, structure, all those that kind of things. Uh, I'm a nerd, so I like all that kind of stuff a lot. Yeah, I think you hit on a lot of good points there. One of the, you know, I kind of build my year around going to the NCAA tournament in March, and this will help 
for that, those people that want to travel to these sort of events, they'll always know when they are. And that's a good thing. Um, the one exception to that will be the Olympic years. Obviously, wrestling doesn't dictate when the Olympics are, so that'll change things. But otherwise, should be the same. And just to kind of go through the schedule, Continental Championships will start with the senior level in April and May, then cadets in June and juniors in July. Then they'll move on to the Cadet World Championships in July. Junior World Championships in August, Senior World Championships in September, which is a little bit of a departure from this year, then Under-23 World Championships on October and World Cup, as you mentioned, ending the year in November. Um, I like that they're getting all the World Cups close to the same time. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they try having them all together at some point. Um, obviously, right now they have them separated for each of the three styles. And the women's freestyle and Greco World Cups often get lost in the shuffle. I know the women's freestyle World Cup, I think, was in March during the NCAA tournament last year. So it's very hard to follow those things for a lot of us that are spread, you know, a little thin yeah. at that time. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if they try to have them all together. Yeah, definitely. And I, you're right. Like when it's all spread out like that and people don't know when things are, your point of, we always plan around the NCAs and, you know, you work backwards. Like if you're a big 12 or big 10 or EWL or whatever you are, guys, those same kind of things. And then the state tournament, you know, it's like here, it's always the third weekend in February in, in Missouri. Those are things that people know. And just, I think it would almost be crazy if they go, when are they going to hold state? I'm like, ah, I don't know. They'll figure it out. You know, like that's just not normal. So I think a lot of this is, is it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, if it doesn't work perfectly, at least they're trying. And, you know, the same thing they do with the seating. There's, there's, I think there's more transparency. I don't see how that's bad for anybody. So I think that part's really good. Yeah, I will say, I, you know, I'm a little bit cynical, especially when it comes to international wrestling because we've been through so much. But when it came out, I kind of went, okay, I like that plan. It looks good to me. I hope they stick to it and keep it for a while so that it can kind of become ingrained in the tempo of the sport. Um, I think we've learned a lot about that, you know, with the changes to the qualifying procedures this year for our world team and some of that, those discussions talked a lot about, you know, getting a tempo to each level of competition. And this, this would help do that um, as we, we would know when the senior continental championships would be. And of course, those are more important than ever with seeding points being in play. And, you know, you can kind of build this around. It would help with the coverage. It would help people to follow it, all that stuff. So I hope they stick to it for a while. I'm sure they have those intentions. It's just that UWW now and then will seems to change on a whim every now and then you'll think something's going well and they'll just decide, Oh, we're going to try this over here. So hopefully this sticks around for a while. Yeah. I, I hope so too. It may not be the same iteration of it, but you know, hopefully they at least give it a chance and then let it evolve. And I'm sure they'll take feedback. You know, I got a chance to talk to Cody Bickley and, and those kind of things, a couple things about the whole series last year of final X and what people liked and didn't like. And, I have to admit, those guys are very open and willing to listen to constructive criticism. So that part was was pretty cool. So they're all trying to do the right things, and I think that's all you can really ask is, is for people to try to make it better and be heard. Yeah, and I know I, I've talked to Stan Desick in the past, and he he really he kind of put it into perspective for me that not only are they all at UWW, you know, having some competing priorities, obviously coming from different places, you know, some people, some countries like Greco better than freestyle. 
you know, some really support the women, some don't. And then they all have their own cultural, you know, ambiguities, you know, different things that they need to do. So not only does UWW have diff- have those different priorities, but then they have the political game inside that. So it can be tough to get big changes like this made. So I'm glad to see it. And if it happened, there must be some power behind it. So that's the positive note. I'll be, I'll try to be optimistic and hope it sticks around. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's look at the glasses half full and then we'll, we'll adjust once we see how it goes. Right? Absolutely. Uh, one other thing I mentioned before, want to mention before we get into our breaking down the D1 teams, we do have number eight through number four this week since there was a tie. Um, the National Federation of High Schools reported their annual statistics for participation in high school sports. And both boys and girls wrestling are up. Girls wrestling, that's just kind of a, a trend. It has continued to grow, which is good to see. And the boys are reversed course a little bit. They'd lost some numbers over the last few reports, and they actually were up 760 wrestlers from last year. So that's good to see. I know, um, you know, they've, they've had that blue ribbon task force to try to help with that. And some of this stuff is just cyclical. So glad to see it's up, and hopefully it continues to go in that in that direction. Yeah, that's a no-brainer, right? We all want that for sure. Absolutely. We'll move into the D1 breakdowns. Uh, we'll start with number eight, Virginia Tech, 47 and a half points last year. Um, had David McFadden, Zach Savatsky, and Jared Hott all become All-Americans. Obviously, Jared Hott lost in the finals, finished second. Um, McFadden and Zavatsky are back. Hott is gone. However, the Hokies add Tom Slay from Bucknell to replace Hot at 197. Uh, Billy Miller and Corbin Myers both transfer in from Edinburgh, a couple of national qualifiers. And possibly the biggest addition to the lineup, if they can figure out where to fit him, is Makai Lewis, who may be 57, maybe 65. We're not sure yet. So interesting times in Blacksburg. Yeah, and good stuff, right? Like, I'm looking at Hot's bracket, and he had a major decision, decision, and then a pin over Darmstead. So he got the 16 points plus a pin, plus a major, so 19 points. So essentially, they have to make up 19 points. Everybody else is back in improvement. The bigger, you know, Nordstrom is probably going to do better, or Latona, you know, maybe a master two, Corbin Myers a master two, or a master two, Blee's a master two, you know, McFadden the same, Bolin maybe a master two, maybe they, you know, then you have Zabatsky the same, will win a match or two, Billy Miller would probably do better, kind of death by a thousand cuts. If they can get Makai Lewis to take, you know, six or something like that, then I think, you know, they can score the same amount of points. I got a chance to watch Makai wrestle a bunch this uh, spring with, with the coaching I was doing. He's very, very impressive, man. Like, he's, he's a guy that he's got talent. He can, he can do some things. And I mean, I watched him beat Marinelli. I watched him. I watched him do some big things. So he he's a guy that could make a lot of noise. And I you know, I'm not sure people. You don't watch wrestling twelve months of the year, and you you might be missing out on this kid and kind of thinking he's coming out of nowhere. But he's not coming out of nowhere. He's he's true. I think he was two time Jersey State champ in a one class system. And he he's. I'd agree with that. I mean, I saw him at the Southern Scuffle last year, and it was it was evident that he was going to be 
right away an impact All-American type of guy. So um, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I think he was wrestling 65 most of his redshirt year. Obviously, McFadden is there. Um, interview I saw with Tony Roby kind of talked about that was unsettled a little bit as to where each of those guys goes. Hunter Boland still has a redshirt year at 74, so one of them could go up. Um, there's been some talk of Lewis dropping to 57, which he would be a house at 57. <laughs> but uh, well, he's not heavy. He's got he's very light. So I mean, he's not going 74. I mean, we know that. Right. Just whether or not McFadden goes up, right? I mean, that's kind of it. He so, he looked plenty big at 65, but of course, it's always hard to tell. No, he looks gigantic. He's got, I think he's just got bird bone. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. 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 I mean, uh, I agree with all the all the things you said. Um, obviously, Tom Slay is kind of an interesting one. Looked like his career was done when he got hurt early last year. You know, he got hurt. He was up there at 97, and I think that had to do with it had to do with some with the fact that we didn't have a lot of proven guys coming back at 97. But also, you know, he's had some good wins. So if he's fully healthy and can wrestle as he has in the past he might be a fringe all-american candidate too um it'll be interesting yeah i think you're right about the death by a thousand cuts they're gonna they're not gonna have one guy step forward and just make up all those points that they're losing with hot but they could if they all take another step uh be pretty yeah i mean they lost 19 points but thinking lewis could take six uh and scoring 10 is not unrealistic and then you go Okay, can these guys, a bunch of them, do one match better on the front and get a pin in there? So let me ask you, 47 and a half. I'll set the number the same over or under Virginia Tech. That's a tough call, which is which means it's a good over under. I think I'm going <laughs> over just because I, I see potential for McFadden to move up, Zavatsky to move up. I really like Lewis. And then Slay and Billy Miller and, you know, Brent Moore might take a step forward. Blease wrestled really well at times last year. He, you know, one and two for Blease really doesn't reflect some of the potential he flashed at times last year. So I, I, I don't think it's going to be a lot over, but I'm thinking 48, 49 points maybe. So, I was just about to ask you if I set the over under 50, do you go under? Yeah, I'm probably going under <laughs> about 50 because I'm – I'm kind of going either way on 47 and a half. So <laughs> yeah. I think they get there, but they can't afford, you know, an injury to a key player or something like that. They're going to have to, they're going to have to have everybody healthy at the end of the year. And obviously, you know, Solomon Chisco is not coming back. He's one of, one of those guys that they thought they were going to have contributing last year that didn't. Um, and he's, he's done. So, you know, it's, it hasn't been no, program is perfect in that regard and they they can't afford that if they're going to score that many points again this year right for sure moving on we've got we've got them at just about the same so yeah yeah, i like that i I think with your stoplight chart that you were proposing last week they'd definitely be a yellow definitely yeah agreed yeah moving on up to number seven cornell the big red 48 points half a point in front of the Hokies. um they had Yanni Diakmahalis obviously win it, national champion as a true freshman. John J. Chavez, Max Dean, and Ben Darmstadt all got on the podium, although seventh, eighth, and sixth, they have some room for improvement there, especially, I mean, Darmstadt came in as a second seed. You, I'm sure he had higher hopes. 
um, you know, they've, they've got an interesting lineup. All those guys are back. Um, they bring in Vito Arujo. Um, they bring in, you know, they've still got Freddie Stroker there. They've still got Brandon Womack there. Overall, just looking at it right off the top, you're thinking they're moving up. Is that what you think, David? Yeah. I don't even think it's really close, right? Like, I mean, first of all, they don't lose anybody. And then they get Freddie for a whole season. Womack was an All-American the year before. I mean, like you said, Darmstead, you know, he was a freshman, but he underperformed his speed. And that weight kind of clears out. I mean, he's going to be, you know, much more in the picture. Like, Cannell's going to be one, Colin Moore two, Holschlag three, Darmstead four. You know, Rashid five, Nicholas six. I mean, Jacob Warner's in there. And, uh, you know, but like a Chris Weiler is eight. I mean, now they're, they've wrestled some good matches, but in Darmstead, and he bonused a lot of guys during the year. He only got one major at the Nationals. So, I mean, he went decision, major decision with that Weiler match in the quarters, and then, you know, went three and out on the back. So, uh, and I and Vito only had two majors, and I think he's got a chance to, to be more dominant this year. So, you had a Rougeau. I mean, I would set their number at, like, 55 or 56. Yeah. And I feel like about right. Right, and we haven't even mentioned their 125 possibilities with Noah Bauman, who's, I think he's probably been number 34 the last two years, still hadn't made it to the national trial, but it's kind of been hard luck both times. And, you know, somebody not a lot of people are talking about, Dom LaJoy, who spent last year at Finger Lakes, he's a stud, and he's coming in there. I'm sure he's going to push Bauman for the spot. It wouldn't really surprise me if he turns out to be a solid, you know, 15 to 20 guy right off the bat. Um, he'll be interesting to watch. Of course, they have Chaz Tucker who was a qualifier at 33 last year. I think most people are just assuming Arujo is going to beat him out, but obviously he won't go quietly. Um, Yanni had the knee injury last year. You know, at the end of the year, obviously fought that off well, got fixed up. I hear he's back on the mat, so that's good. They just they have a lot to be happy about. Um, and you know, I think uh, Ben Honus who moved up to 285 after losing the battle of the Darmstadt last year, you know, with an off season to put a little size on him, he might be interesting at heavyweight. Yeah. We had Andy and I had talked about Jacob Holschlag last year. Cause you know, he was in Missouri border brawl. And you know, when he had to move up to 97, it takes a while to get your body right. And then when you do, you suddenly become a lot better. And I think the same thing could apply to Honus. Also, if you really look at Cornell's lineup, there's really only like two guys where you could see they might go backwards. I mean, Yanni might not win just because he can't do better than first. And Chavez, you know, played seventh, wasn't seated in the top eight. And that's a way with a lot of good guys coming back and being added in. But you, they're going to do better at 25. They're going to do better at 33. They can't do worse at 49. They're going to do better at 57. They're going to do better at 74. I would argue they're going to do better at 84 and 97, even though they placed there, and they're going to do better at heavyweight. Maybe 55 is not enough. I mean, you know, maybe it is. Maybe they just do a, a, a match or two better. But if you do a match or two better and that match is a pin, they, they could probably get to 60 without a lot of stress. I would agree with that. And, you know, it's, it's again, looking at a best-case scenario for them as you know, everybody's healthy, everybody's around, everybody's wrestling well, but 
yeah, they have the potential to do really well. I mean, nobody's, I, you, you know, you mentioned 60. I guarantee you there are some people up in Ithaca that are aiming a lot higher than that even because um, this is a lot of talent, a lot of young talent, a lot of interesting guys that could really do a lot better. I mean, Max Dean looked a lot better than eighth for most of the year, like you were mentioning. You know, he, you would expect him to move forward. It's just they have a lot of, they have a lot of chances to score more points. Right. That's a very promising team. Like if you said, I mean, if you said just Cornell versus Virginia Tech this year, because you know, they were an eyelash part last year, I think Cornell would be a pretty significant favorite. Yeah. But what's interesting is Dean took eight, but would, you know, Nickel would be one unless he moves up. But Martin's back, Parker's back, Venz is back, Zabatsky's back, Ness is back, and Dean is back. So really, Abinader is the only one that's gone. So he's only going to start the year ranked seventh. Yeah, his his um, projecting him above eighth is more of a looking at his regular season and some of the guys he beat and thinking he'll just improve a little bit and wrestle more like that guy at the end of the turn end of the year. I mean, he didn't really lose to that many people outside the top. I don't know if he had that many had a loss outside the top ten. So right. it's you you just expect like okay, yeah, he got eighth. That's probably around where he was probably supposed to be, but he just has some upside. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's not going to be easy. He's going to have to beat some of those guys, um, in Pittsburgh. For sure. So next on the list, sixth place, Missouri, this is where it kind of starts to spread out. They were 61 and a half points. Um, there's a big jump from seventh to sixth. And then again, from sixth to the tie for fourth that we'll talk about in a little while. Um, Missouri had Jay Nyerman finish fourth, Grant Lee finished sixth. Daniel Lewis finished fourth, and Willie Miklas finished eighth. Um, they also had round of 12ers in John Ernesti and Joey LaValle. Uh, so they had a lot of guys. They, they had nine guys at the national tournament. Um, they do lose Miklas, obviously, with the transfer, and Joey LaValle um, out of those guys mentioned. The good news is Leith got two more <laughs> additional years. So what is he, a sophomore? Uh, it's it's unbelievable. Twenty one year old sophomore. Yeah, that's how we do it. That's how we do it in Missouri, Alex. <laughs> what we do here, okay? You know, I think I made a crack about somebody wrestled until they were thirty last week. I, I, at least might. I don't know. Easy, easy. <laughs> hey, the kid's amazing wrestling with that neck brace, Kansas City boy. So yeah, uh, but yeah, whether he's a freshman or not, he still would be back this year anyway. And you know, really kind of broke out last year with some big wins. Definitely, and of course, we'll keep around the Twitter account for next for at least neck brace. So that's that's the most important thing out of that. Yeah, that's a good one for sure. <laughs> Missouri was kind of interesting last year. You know, we talked, we briefly mentioned it, I think, last week about you know they didn't hit any of the major tournaments. A couple of their guys went to Reno, but it was kind of a shadow squad. Um, so it really, they're strength of schedule really depended heavily on how many of their guys hit against other good guys in the duels. And, you know, I kind of broke this out on the spreadsheet a little bit, you know, LaValle only hit two top 10 guys. Lewis only hit two. Nicholas hit three and Ernesti hit three, but then Ironman and Leaf were pretty well tested, you know, wrestling a whole bunch right. of guys. So it just, it kind of underscores, you know, when you go to a big tournament like Vegas, you might get, you know, if you wrestle well, you might get three or four really tough matches. Whereas, in a duel, if they don't have a guy at your weight or if he sits or if you miss a duel or whatever, just really can change the strength of schedule that you have. 
and South Beach schools are getting bigger. So, you know, Mizzou's one of the, the programs that helped found that thing, along with Cornell. It's interesting, you know, they're back-to-back here. But, you know, NC State is going down. Purdue is going down. There are four, four teams that are going down. So it's, it's going to get deeper. And it's the same format, though, just two duels one day, two duels the next day. And I think they're going to try to match guys up better. I mean, I looked at Miklas's bracket. He didn't score any bonus points at Nationals last year. So it was just five and a half points that they lose there. You know, Barlow graduated. Billy LaValle, you know, probably scored three points. So they lose eight and a half points. And, you know, Ernesty had one of the craziest matches of the year with Cade Brock where Brock picks down, Ernesty banana splits him, almost pins him, rides the crap out of him. You would think he would pick top. Instead, he picks down. Brock kicks him loose, takes him down, kicks him loose, takes him down, rides him out and wins. And, 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 you know, Brian and John Smith are two coaches that are better than I was, but if either one of them had probably just picked the other position, you know, either Brock wins easy or Ernesty wins, that would have really changed the seating at the national tournament. So... You know, Mizzou's done a great job of really being good in dual meets. I think they've won three out of the last five versus Oklahoma State and, and beat them pretty convincingly in Stillwater last year. They have some guys. I mean, they lose five and a half, maybe eight points, but they, it feels like they can get to 61 and a half again. I, I asked uh, Alex Clemson for some information. He really didn't want to give us a lot. So I'm going to speculate here that they might, try to do with Colby Smith what uh, North Carolina State did with Sean Foss last year where they weigh him in in a couple big tournaments, maybe Russell Punky most of the year, Dave Severato's red shirt, Dave Malik Johnson's red shirt, and then try to get Colby ready to go. And Colby's been a high upside guy. He was a you know freshman uh, qualifier for App State. He actually beat Ironman head-to-head at 133 when Jaden was cutting a lot of weight. He's, he cradles. You know, I got a chance to coach him in an all-star team. He, he can score points. He could be dangerous for them down there. Yeah, it's always interesting when you see a 133 that's, and a career 133 at that. You know, He's been at that weight for a long time, Try to go down, but that's his path to the lineup. And if you're right, if he can make the cut, that's very interesting because he's tough at 133, always has been. Um, obviously, they have Dak Punky there. They, I'm sure they think a lot of him. Um, and, you know, you talked about Ernesti. He had some good wins last year. So you obviously think he can move up to be an All-American. 33 is just such a meat grinder that you just never know. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, Ironman will be – he's the only guy to beat Yanni last year. So he'll have right. he'll have eyes on the finals. Leith, we talked about it being a little bit of a breakout, but there's nothing fluky about it. So I expect him to be right there again looking to move up. And, of course, Daniel Lewis, I mean, yeah, Lewis is one of those guys, I think a lot of us thought he would be competing for a national title by now, but he's just quietly put together this really, really good career. It, I don't think it would surprise too many people. The hard part is, who's he going to move up ahead of, obviously, with you know Zahid coming back there, Penn State have Mark Hall back there. You know, it's hard to move up from fourth when you got those two in front of you, right? Yeah, and he lost to a mean in overtime. So, I mean, it's, I think most of us, if we, you know, you had to pencil guys in the finals for next year, there's certain ways where you go, I feel very confident. I don't, I don't feel confident. The Heed Hall feels like something you're very confident about. But 
and he'll scores a lot of points in top, scores a lot of bonus. You know, if he can win one match, you know, to the third place match, you know, he can gain points. Leeds can move up from six. Aiden can move up from fourth. And then, you know, if they get some points at 125, and if they get points at heavyweight at all, and then I hope they can afford to redshirt Zach Elam. He's a stud. He comes from a great family. He's an awesome kid. He, he wrestled in my event, and I uh, love his family. Shout out to Brian and Zach. So he's also young. I think he can really benefit from a redshirt year. So I hope. You know, Myers is kind of put you know his troubles behind him and to do a good job so they can just benefit the program. You know, both with Myers wrestling and Zach. Yeah, I've, I interviewed Elam after he won his Fargo title in 2017. He really seemed like a nice young man, and obviously a lot of upside there. But yeah, Austin Myers, you know, former big recruit, hasn't been able to really put it together. He's had some moments, and then of course last year didn't get to wrestle the the end of the year um you always hope those guys can get things right um it'd be nice to see him you know go out at the national tournament um, but he's going to have to figure that out uh missouri's an interesting case when you look at him as a team because really ernesti's the only guy you look at that's coming back that didn't all american last year that you're thinking okay yeah he's right there he's on the doorstep you know everybody else would have to kind of make that leap uh, which doesn't give you a lot of room for error. You know, I, you haven't asked me the over-under yet, but I'm sure you're going to. I, I don't know. I, I would answer. set it at about 58 and a half. Yeah, and I think that's fair because I I think 61 and a half is going to be tough for them just because they're guys that are, you know, their best scorers don't have a lot of room to move up. And there's just some, you know, there's, there's always landmines in the national tournament. And they lose the, and they lose the Mitchell's point. Right. So yeah. that's going to be tough. I mean, they're going to kind of – I think they would try to do it like Virginia Tech we talked about where it's, you know, get a match or two from a lot of different people to make up those points, push Ernesti up, you know, onto the podium, and that's most of Miklas's points right there. Um, but it's hard to see where that's going to come from. You know, they don't – they don't have a lot at 184. They're, you know, kind of by committee at 57. They're looking for somebody to step up there. So it's it's hard to see where those points are going to come from. I think I'd probably take the under, but I wouldn't feel confident about it. it means I'm picking good numbers, Alex. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and it's, you know, it's funny because when you look at them like this, you can see – you can envision a scenario for all these teams where they score more than last year, pretty much. It, even the ones that are losing a lot, you can kind of say, well, this guy could, you know, come into the lineup and really grow and do do well. What nobody ever does is go, well, that guy's going to get hurt, so he's going to be out. And that guy's going to get in trouble, so he's going to be suspended, you know, that kind of stuff. You can't pick that stuff, and that's going to happen to some you, do it, you can pick that if you coach junior college, Alex. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know the people a little bit better than I do. <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> no, can do that. When that's, but, uh, you know. It'll be interesting to see. Obviously, Miklas going to Iowa State. A lot of Missouri fans will be tracking him and hoping for good things for him as he goes back closer to home. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see what Brian Smith does with Missouri. It's uh, you know they are an interesting case because in 2017 when they overperformed at nationals and did great, you know, put three in the finals, it was kind of a 
a lot of people thought, you know, Missouri doesn't have a history of overperforming their seeds at nationals. So it's like, okay, did they figure it out? Was this a one-off? And then they had a rough tournament last year. It'll be interesting to see where that goes. If it goes up again, if it, you know, if this is the normal, you know, I don't think any, I don't think any team is going to have as bad of a tournament as they did last year. And none of their guys got to seed, which is rare. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how they perform because um, they, they have some opportunities, but it's going to be tough. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, they're, 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 but, and like you said, their schedule is, is, makes it difficult for them to see. Sure. So next week, when we, or in two weeks, when we get through all these teams, we're going to have to put some over unders out there and put them on our, our board so that we can keep track of them and, and see who owes who wings when we get to Pittsburgh on Saturday night. Sure. Definitely. That'll be fun to track throughout the year kind of be a recurring theme how am i you know make the bets and then how are we feeling about them halfway through the year right we'll do evens and odds you're going to set the lines on either the the even or the odd teams and i'll set the odds on the other and then we'll go from there it'll be fair yeah that sounds good (laughs) okay all right moving up to the teams that tied for a team trophy and i'm told they both got a team trophy eventually for finishing the tree um, we'll start with NC State because they were first on my spreadsheet. Um, 80 points, uh, obviously helped greatly by Tariq Wilson's amazing run to third place. Uh, they lose Kevin Jack, who was sixth. Hayden Hidley was in the finals for them. He's back, obviously. Uh, they do lose Pete Renda, who was around at 12. They lose Michael Machiavello, who's an NCAA champ. Um, the interesting news is that Sean Foz is going to try to make 125 again, which will allow Tariq Wilson to try to make 133 again. I, I was surprised by this. Were you? <laughs> yeah, well, I, they do a good job of cutting weight down there. So, I mean, like, I wasn't shocked. And, you know, I, I texted Pat this morning, and he was nice enough to send this to us, so we don't have to speculate. So, shout out to Pop and NC State. Appreciate you letting us sound smarter. Uh, you know, I, I don't know who else they have in the room at 25 that they really like, and I think they like Jamal Morris, so that it kind of fits in well there. I can definitely see Wilson and Morris moving up after next year with Justin Oliver being a senior. So, but, you know, I just don't think they have anybody. Now they, they sign, or they're going to sign uh kid out of, St. Louis, but he's going to be a senior this year. He's a little guy, but we can't help him now. So yeah, it wasn't shocking, but it was a little surprise. Yeah, they Tommy Cox, who is solid, and they have Zurich Storm, who's young and has some talent. So that they had options at 25, but certainly no one that was going to be as good as Foz will be. I mean, if he can make it, I think you're right. It, de- it definitely makes it a stronger lineup this year. Um, you mentioned Justin Oliver from Central Michigan transferred in, so he'll be at 49, um, Jamal Morris at 41, and then, of course, Hidley, Thomas Bullard, Daniel Bullard, uh, Nick Renan comes back to the lineup at 184, and that'll be interesting to see how he replaces Pete Renda. I think they'll be looking for an All-American there. Um, and then Malik McDonald moving to 97 is an interesting one. We've, we've seen a lot of 197s go up to 285. We haven't seen a lot go the other way. Um, you know, he's very hard to score on. It'll be interesting to see how the other 197s deal with him. Yeah, and, and a lot of those weight classes, as you move up, it's more about not making mistakes, right? Like, 
you know, it's gotten better, but, you know, for years, we know we coach heavyweights, like, look, just hold position, don't hit your knees, definitely don't hit your knees at the same time, and, you know, be able to ride, be able to pummel, and, you know, some of it's similar, 97. 97's cleared out a little bit, though. But this is an interesting lineup because, you know, they have three, you know, and they have Heidley. They have two, you know, Heidley kind of was underrated all year, undefeated, you know, kind of beat all comers, but he had one of those schedules where he didn't hit a lot of the studs. And then, you know, Nick Lehman was probably the surprise guy in Final X of any of the weight classes. So, I mean, he's a guy that was super highly recruited out of high school. But, you know, at the end of the day, they lose 24 points from Machiavello, three from Renda. And over 10, like 11, 12 and a half from Kevin Jack. So they lose probably half their points. That, that's, you know, but let me ask you, where would you set the over under for NC State? I mean, you mentioned how many points they lose. That's obviously concerning. Um, as much fun as Tariq Wilson's run was, you have to look at that and go, he might not get third again, and he might not score as many bonus points either because he scored a lot of bonus points. Um, yeah, so it was very good for my fantasy game. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, and I mean, you know, and I, I don't want to, you know, sound like I'm down on Wilson because obviously he had a great match with Seth Gross. You know, maybe he goes the other way and is a true title contender, but there's so many good guys at 33, and, you, you know, we've talked about all the guys that might be moving up, might not be. You know, it's it's just going to be. You have to acknowledge the possibility that he could go down. So I, you know, I think maybe sixty, even. Really. I mean, I'll take the under. I'll take the under. Easy. Yeah. Because they lose. They're starting at forty. They're not starting at eighty. Did you say they lost lost twenty four? More than that. No, Machiavello lost twenty four. Twenty four. Okay. And then, and then Jack lost thirteen, and then Renda lost three. Yeah, so they are starting 40. Yeah, that is too high then. Um, yeah. Like you said, 20. I think they're over under probably about 47, 48. I mean, if, if you I put it anywhere under 50, I'm going over and not thinking twice about it. Um, you know, adding all of okay. them, been an All American before. Um, Foz right. one and two, but he could be, you know, he could be an All American. Renan could be an All American. They've got a lot of a lot of chances, um, but they have to have one of those guys do it, and Wilson take third again, and Heidley take second again to get to get to fifty points. Yeah, so, I mean, I mean, Tariq Wilson could wrestle a great national tournament and take fifth, and just so, not get three majors. Right. You know, like, and then you know he loses, you know he loses three like six points. Yeah. And, you know, now, now you're 34. Now 50 is tough. You know, but the, the cupboard is stocked there. They're going to be very good. You know, I, I think I see them as sort of a fringe, like 10 to 12, top 10 to 12. So, I mean, but they did a great job last year, and they finally got their national champion. That's a big thing they can hang their hat on. Yeah, and that's really where why I would go over. Just, you know, if you just looked at the guys individually – I can see where you're coming from, but, you know, NC State's really started to put it together at the national tournament and perform solidly. You know, they've got a lot of momentum. I, I just think, you know, guys like Jamal Morris, you know, right now we're not going to talk about him probably as an All-American candidate. You wouldn't think that at 141, but I, I think it's more likely that Foz, Oliver, and Renan 
are all Americans and somebody else is in that conversation, then all three of them don't make it. So I, like I said, if it's 50, I'm going over all day. Um, and yeah, part of that is the Pat Papalizio NC State just aura right now. I, I think they're gonna, I think they're gonna do well. Um, and then who knows? Uh, but yeah, it'll be interesting to watch them. They definitely have a wide range of possible point totals at this point in the season. They could go real high or real low. They probably have the greatest variance of anybody we've talked about doing these of, of the last 15 teams have done so far. So that's pretty interesting. Yeah, and I think you get that when you get higher up. Uh, you know, you'll guys will, and different programs will lose more points. Obviously, you score more points, you have the potential to lose more points. But yeah, I think they uh, they definitely have some replacing to do. Um, but I'm I'm pretty confident that they can do it. Yeah, for sure. The team they tied for fourth, Michigan, also obviously 80 points. Um, they bring back Devon Mitchich, who got second last year. Um, Alec Pantelio is back after a fifth-place finish. Miles Amin is back after finishing third. Um, recent Asian Games finalist Dom Abinader is no longer around after his, his fifth-place finish, and obviously they lose Adam Kuhn, who got second last year. Um, it's another one where they're going to lose a fair amount, but the cupboard is stocked. Um, they bring in Kanan Store from Iowa State. Um, Jelani Embry will hit the lineup likely at 84. Uh, Mason Parrish will be in, but I'm not sure if we're going to see him. Obviously, he's a true freshman. Um, he's probably going to be the best heavyweight in the room at some point this year. It'll be interesting to see if he comes out. Yeah. They lose. 29 points, right, with uh, Abinader and Kuhn. Kuhn scored 16 per second plus a major and a pin. Abinader took fifth with 10, no bonus, so 29 points. Then if you start going, where can they pick it up? I mean, Drew Matten actually had a good tournament as a freshman going two and two. Misik actually outtaked down Seth Gross, just, you know, got turned. They'll probably score more points at 41. They'll probably score more points at 49. To me, the spot where they can really jump is 65. Logan Massa, he's healthy, is not a one-and-two guy at the national tournament. He's a guy that can be wrestling in the semifinals. You know, I mean, he beat Marinelli, who made the semis. I mean, he's gone close with Imar. He's gone really close with Vincenzo Joseph. He's a guy that could actually make the finals and, you know, sort of replace Coons kind of points, or at the minimum, Abinader's kind of points. And it's still going to be hard for them to get to 80, but I feel like if Massa is healthy, he's a guy that can make a big difference. And then Embry's a high, high ceiling kind of guy. You know, we just, you know, I watched him wrestle again in, in the in the freestyle circuit. Tough kid. It'll be interesting to see how he handles the college. Yes, Logan Massa definitely is the key here. Um, getting healthy and obviously staying healthy, as he was injured um, in Vegas. And then came back, but just never really got to the Logan Massa we've seen before. Um, yeah, I mean, he can make up at least half their deficit just being what we've seen him before in college. And of course, you have Jackson Strigow, who wrestled some um, when Kevin Beasley was in and out of the lineup at 97 last year. Um, Beasley obviously getting injured and not being able to wrestle in the NCAA tournament, so they're not returning any points there. So anything they get out of Strigo is a step forward. He had some interesting matches last year. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're right. I don't see 80 again. 
but they have some chances to make it up. I think, you know, they, I don't know what you're going to set the over under on here, but you wouldn't. Well, they lose, they lose 30, right? They lose 19 and 11. Yeah. But they lose 30. So they start at 50. So even if you say Logan Massa is healthy, if he's healthy, probably the worst he takes is six. So that's 60. Okay. Maybe Pantaleo can bump up a spot. Uh, it's going to be hard for Misich to bump up a spot, but, you know, be right there again. I would say 63 and a half. That's a good one. Uh, I'm probably taking the over. I'm really high on Kanan's store. I think getting out of, I mean, whatever was going on at Iowa State, you know, we'll probably never know the complete truth on that situation. But, you know, that kid's really talented. He's proven yeah. it before. I think getting out of there and getting into a room at Michigan where he's more comfortable, I, I see a lot of good things coming his way. I mean, you mentioned Drew Matten had a good tournament, and he did. He could be around a 12 guy wrestling for an All-American honor, so you like that. Um, you know, they've got a lot of chances, and of course, Massa could, you know, he could be a finalist. Obviously, sixth place would be you know, fine, but I, I'm, he's got potential to do more. And then, you know, Miles... I want to send it, you know, shout out to Miles Amin because he's a guy two years ago, you know, he had a great NCAA tournament. And I think a lot of people kind of looked at him like, okay, that was nice. You did great, but you're not going to do that again. And then he went out last year and just proved that he was that guy. Like he is the top three guy at 174, which we talked about, you know, there are two guys at 174 that are really tough to unseat, but he's right there in that next tier, which is, very good for them. Um, obviously, you mentioned his close match with Daniel Lewis, but you know those are probably three and four right now. And you know, there's that was not something you would have said in 2017 about Miles Amin. So, good job by yeah, him. yeah. Amin did kind of what Tariq did. I mean, I think he placed, if I remember correctly, fourth from like the 10 or the 11 seed. You know, Tariq was unseated and took third. Yeah. And so it's not a disrespect to those guys at all to say, you know, we're just a little surprised that this happened. Seeds are earned throughout the year. Right. I mean, I thought Tariq was a, a nightmare matchup for Ernesty, uh first round of the tournament. You know, I mean, you know, but what Amin did, backing it up, going four and three against, you know, behind, you know, his first year, the Heat, or, you know, Hall's the Heat, Bo Jordan, or, you know, I guess Hall, Bo Jordan's the Heat, and then you know, this past year behind those two of those three guys, he's, he's legitimate. And, you know, so, but he's another guy too. Like if he took fourth, if he lost to Daniel Lewis, it wouldn't be shocking. Right. So those points, you know, could come backwards. If he got a weird seed and caught Daniel Lewis on the backside semi and took fifth, that wouldn't be shocking. And now all of a sudden he's lost three points. Right. So, yeah, I mean, but picking the points on this stuff is going to be fun. And obviously, you know, it, it, I used to do this every year when I coached. I'd put a lineup in September. I'd put it in the envelope on what I thought our lineup was going to be, and then I would just laugh about it when we would go decide the regional. Because it was just like two out of the ten were right. Absolutely. You know? and I, yeah. I think that's one of those things. Like Garrett, they have, Michigan still has Garrett Sutton around, who got sixth at Midlands last year. He's been into the qualifier before. I mean, he's listed at 74, but maybe he can bump up and push Embry at 84. I don't know. Um, but you know, they, you know, it seems like all these top end D one programs have guys like that, that, you know, they're good. They've just been stuck behind people and you never know when something's going to happen and they're going to end up in the lineup. And some of those guys do really well. So 
uh, it'll be interesting to see, but yeah, I think you're exactly right. I mean, they, they still have Sal Profaci and Ben Freeman at 141. Maybe those guys bump up and challenge Malik Amin at 49 if Storr, you know, solidifies the spot at 41. So a lot of good depth, good problems to have. And of course, Austin Acid still at 125. So, you know, the list goes on. Um, I'm sure at least one of these spots that we're speculating will turn out to be somebody else by the end of the year. Yeah. Well, and you know, it's interesting. Everybody knows it was last year, Iowa third, Ohio State second, Penn State first. And we'll go through those guys next week, but they give out four trophies, right? And I think we agree Michigan is going to be hard for us to score 80. I know we agree North Carolina State's going to be hard for us to score 80. Missouri's going to be hard for us to score 60. We think Cornell can maybe get to 60. We have Virginia Tech scoring less than 47 and a half. I mean, I think this is why people are talking about like an Oklahoma State jumping from 13th to third or fourth because the teams above them don't feel like it doesn't feel like there's an 80 point team there. Right. It doesn't feel like there's any other teams that can score 80. And if you look at an Oklahoma state, they, they can put eight all Americans on the mat that can all take six and that's 80 points without any bonus. Yeah. And I think, and, and go ahead. Yeah. If you, well, if you look at team scoring historically and you know, I'm, I spend an embarrassing amount of time sifting through old brackets and looking at scores and results and things of that nature, 80 points for a team trophy is high. That's, it has often been much lower than that. Um, and I think next year, I think that's kind of the point you're making is that it might not be that high to get fourth. Um, you know, we've seen years where no team at all scored a hundred points. Um, and then of course we've seen a few recent seasons where, you know, two or three teams go well over a hundred and it's really hard to get a team trophy. It's just the nature of the beast. Um, you know, you get a few teams that are loaded they don't play defense against each other, really. I mean, you knock off guys here and there, but for the most part, they can all score, and then suddenly you have these really high scores. But, yeah, I don't I don't see, you know, I'm sure somebody's going to write this down to let me know about it at the end of the year. But, yeah, if I was betting right now, I don't. I wouldn't say the fourth-place team is going to get to 80 next year. Um, obviously, Oklahoma State has potential. There's some other teams that have that potential. Um, but you would have. I'll take that. Bet. I'll take that bet. Yeah. I'll take you fourteen. I'll bet you play to win. All four, first fourteen score over eighty. Okay. Yeah, I'll take that bet. I don't think they do, yep. but it's uh, it'll be interesting. I think we agree three do. Three, yeah. I mean, three seems obvious. Um, and then yeah. you know, I'm probably betting against Oklahoma State, which is interesting for me. But uh, yeah, it's, it's good, good that you live down there. Be sure that they know that. Well, I'll, yeah, I'll, sure. I'll go sit at the matches and watch the matches, and then I'll, I'll kick myself forever doubting it, I'm sure. But, you know, it's it, that's where my history comes in. You know, I just I look at the brackets historically and go, really, most of the time that doesn't happen because there's only so many points available. You know, the talent, we talk about, you know, that only so many teams have ever won the title, and that's true, but there's good wrestlers on a lot of different D1 teams now. And so there's, there's points that are kind of spread out. Um, and it goes in cycles. This recent years, if you haven't been following, you know, NCAA wrestling that long, you probably think I'm crazy because, you know, in recent years we've seen it, you know, two, three, four, five teams score a ton of points. Um, but I think we're cycling out of that a little bit now. Obviously, Penn State shows no signs of slowing down. But there are other teams, you know, when you add NC State and you add Virginia Tech and now Michigan's coming up and Arizona State is pushing in, you know, Cornell's not going anywhere. 
you know, when you add those teams to the mix, the scores go down because everybody has more talent. Um, no, it's a, it's a dilution. I just think, you know, we'll, I think right now we don't even need to do the preview next week to go. Penn State's going to score over 80. Iowa's going to score over 80. And Ohio State's really top-heavy. They're going to score over 80. So it really just comes down to Oklahoma State. Yeah. So, you know, I they got a lot of depth. They got a lot of guys that can score. So, yeah. I mean, it, but I think that'll be interesting. You know, we'll be sitting there on Saturday morning counting points. That's for sure. So. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Um, you wanna... I mean, it, it, look, I can't lose, Alex, because I've already admitted you're smarter than me. So if <laughs> I win, it's a huge upside. And if I lose, it's like, well, I lost to the journalist of the year. I mean, I, they just give me a podcast once a week. So, I mean, clearly I'm supposed to lose this bet anyway. So <laughs> I, I'm, I'm in the position of power here. I, I can't I, lose. I love it. I told you last week, and it's why, you know, most of my, when I was writing for the Open Mat, I'd have these big, long columns to explain you know, exactly why I thought something, because anytime I go, that's going to happen or that's not going to happen, I'm almost always wrong. Um, so <laughs> you've got a good shot here. <laughs> That'll be funny either way, for sure. Absolutely. Um, you want to plug your uh, charity events this week one more time before we go? Well, let's give a shout out to Jack Clark and uh, U.S. Wrestling Foundation. They had their gala last week. Andy Hamilton was there, did unbelievable job with interview with Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt bought a uh, lithograph of Dave Schultz from uh, Leroy Neiman for $20,000. Randy Couture bought the log from uh, Vision Quest that she carried up the uh, stadium steps. I actually called Randy and asked asked him how he got that on the airplane, and he told me he drove, so that explains that. Have you Um, seen the the footage of Frank Jasper, who played shoot in the movie, carrying that into the gala. Fantastic. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm going to see RC this in a couple of days, but it was, they said it was great. And Andy looked like he had a blast. I saw him smile more in those pictures in two days than he did in a year doing a podcast with me. So that was good. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, that was, it was, you know, Jack Clark does an amazing job as a guy that runs events. I know how hard that is. So, big shout out to you, Jack. Congratulations. Thank you, Chris Pratt. Thank you, Randy. Thanks to all the other people that came out, supported, bought tickets, you know, bought VIP tables and bought silent auction events because they're doing a great job out there. And then, uh, yeah, our poker run, we can talk about it more next week. It's September 8th, and it's in, uh, a poker run for the Extreme Couture GI Foundation here in St. Louis at Doc's Harley-Davidson. And um, if people want to ride, if they're in town, they can go to docsharleydavidson.com. And if people want to donate things to the silent auction, um, they can find me on Facebook, David Maricatani, or on Twitter, at D Maricatani. And uh, we can give you a tax receipt for anything you donate. And all the money goes, 100% of our proceeds go to veterans, wounded veterans, a lot of them with amputations, helping them with prosthetics and things like that. So um, it, it's a really good cause. I'll just say that. Great stuff, as always. Well, like we mentioned, next week we'll break down the top three teams in the country, and that should be a lot of fun. Join us next week. Thanks a lot.